0: Welcome into your betting preview for this week's Honda Classic. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, how did you like your time at The Riv?
1: Uh, It was awesome, man. I mean, I continue to contend that this is the best non-major course uh, that we go to on the PGA Tour. It delivers every single year. And once again, um, I think we had one of the great the, the greatest golf weekends in recent memory. I mean, I truly think that that finish down the stretch on Sunday uh, with Homa and ROM was, uh, was something pretty special. So I would say right now in total, this is the most jacked just on the sport of golf in general that I've been in a while.
0: Yeah, there's the elevated events, there's the Netflix series, there's just a lot of momentum it feels like in the game and oh by the way, Tiger Woods played last week. Did you get did you get a chance to lay your eyes on the cat?
1: I did. And and I was lucky enough um it was my first time at a golf tournament ever being inside the ropes. So oh, it's the best. Uh, isn't it? Oh my god, man, I cannot tell you the difference. Um yeah. And I don't, I, we probably sound like assholes saying that, but when it comes to a guy like Tiger, um, that is where the advantage of having that really shines through the most. Um, so, I, you know, I, I w- there were times where I felt like I was able to get close enough to really get a sense of like hearing the contact of the ball um, coming off the club face. And I gotta say, you know, With his irons, especially like when he hits like a flush iron shot, it sounds every bit as good. The sound that it makes coming off the club face sounds every bit as good as when JT flushes one or ROM flushes one. The only issue, Rick, is that I don't know if he can sustain that for four days. Like you look at the numbers and his ball speed went down. On Sunday, like pretty significantly. So overall, I was hugely impressed by Tiger. My only concern is how over the weekend it seemed like he lost a little bit of his power.
0: I I think it's just going to be it's this really awkward situation where he has told us countless times that he needs to work his way and play his way into shape. But also he's not able to do that, which which is going to be very hard. I mean, you saw the rust. I mean, he had, he had a couple, especially early in the week, just really bad putts. Just like he had like no chance blocks things that you would never see. The short game wasn't as sharp, but there were, yeah, there were some world-class shots that he hit out there. So he just has like, he just has both ends of the spectrum right now. And I, I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to clean up the, the, the bad stuff without, without playing a bunch of competitive golf
1: does it change your opinion at all on how you would feel about him at the masters? Like again, if I gave you finishing position at the masters of like 47th, are you more inclined to say that you feel comfortable about him making the cut?
0: Yeah. I mean, especially because that's a a smaller field and the bottom part of it is, is pretty weak in general. I thought it was at least noteworthy. So if you remember, um, you know, the first couple, the last couple of times we saw him, he would start, he would start with like a hitch in a step and he'd be like a full on limp by the time the round was over. We didn't see as much of that deterioration over the course of the week, but you saw it in, as you mentioned the stats and just kind of saw, you could tell he was tired, but I, I do think he's getting stronger. I think he's getting the body back in shape as much as it can be at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that will, I think there yeah. were a lot of really good signs to take, uh from Riff,
1: yeah, I think he's gonna make the cut at the masters, yeah um I again, like his caddy, after uh Lakava was talking about how it seemed like to him the lag was less um a part of his thought process, right, like it right. seemed like there were times where he could just go back to playing golf and thinking about golf because so much of it with tiger has been recently is that like, it's really hard for him to focus on the actual golf because he's so bothered by pain and by the injuries. So I would say that like overall huge positive, like if I'm grading his week, just in general macro big picture, like B plus slash a minus. And I would say that I, again, I don't know if I can envision him winning another tournament in his career, but I think I'm now closer to the point where I think that he can make the cut at every single major that he tees up in. And I think he is, uh, you know, I'm getting, we want to see him get closer to those like T23s instead of those T43s, which I think is the next step.
0: Anybody else blow your hair back? It's always, it's always fun watching Rory McIlroy hit a golf ball from up close.
1: Yeah. Rory, (laughs) Rory. the sound that Rory makes is, is different. And I'll say another, I mean, Hovland too. the sound that Hovland makes coming off the club face with his driver and with his irons too, really, really, really special stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, I even spent, and I do this at pretty much every golf tournament that I go to. I will give at least 30 minutes to an hour of my time to the range because I find it fascinating watching some of these guys practice and the drills that they go through and watching them just hit, hit pure golf shots and how little they miss. Um, like when I go to the range, I hit bad shots all the time because, like, you know, you're warming up and going to the range. The intentionality, of these guys in the way that they practice always blows my mind. Um, But yeah, it was a fun week. What about you? Any closing thoughts on Rev?
0: Oh man. It's just, it's so, it's so good to, you know, now two weeks in a row being able to go watch these guys in person, right? As much as I love golf being played in a spreadsheet, it is, it is way different when you're out on the golf course. And to me, uh, yes, it got very tight on the weekend and there was, you know, a two shot swing at 10 and stuff like that. But John Rahm kind of just felt inevitable, um, for a long time. And I, and I thought that even on the weekend in Phoenix, John Rom stunk in Phoenix and was in it until the 70th hole, right? Like that to me is kind of the biggest separator when you see every shot from a specific golfer and especially with the other guys in their group. Where, like, when Rom, yeah, Rom doesn't play well, but his his C plus stuff, his B minus stuff is insanely good. And then he just summons, you know, a birdie on, you know, on fourteen. He hits a long, and it's just like it. It just always feels inevitable with him.
1: Yeah, highest floor in golf, undeniably. Um, his ability to finish in the top ten on weeks where he doesn't have it is better than anyone in the world. It's better than Rory McIlroy, who simply hasn't had anything for the past two weeks. And he finished like T30 both of the past two weeks, which is still incredibly impressive for somebody that doesn't have it. But like ROM not having it is like finishing seventh, which is scary stuff. Um, Last question on him. Do you think that he should be the master's favorite? Because I think there is a big three emerging with Rom, Rory, and Scheffler. And right now, I think Rom has the belt, but I'm curious to see who they put as sportsbooks, put as the favorite for the Masters.
0: Yeah, so Scheffler kind of feels, um, like when you watch Scheffler play, he just does the same thing every single week, which is kind of cool and kind of fun, and he's got a pretty high floor as well. But to me, um, and I'm not sure it's particularly close. Like John Rom's the best player in the world. And yeah. he should be the master's favorite. He should be the favorite at every event that he tees it up at. Um, you know, the the win luck that he did not have last year to only win in Mexico for, you know, plus 350. Like it's and it just he just gives himself so many opportunities. And now that win luck is flipping and he's and he's taking advantage of every single one of them.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I would probably put him as the master's favorite right now with Rory and we are not far behind. I would almost put them in the same tier, but, um, yeah, you know, incredible week. And I think the last two weeks were so good wreck that I'm not even like upset with the Honda this week. Like I, I just, to me, it feels like, all right, you know what? We're due for like a week where we don't have an awesome field. You know what I mean? Like it's been so good the past two weeks that like, I'm not even that bummed that we have not a great field at the Honda. Cause I feel like we've been so lucky.
0: Last thing before we talk about the Honda is this refrain and it's from Fran millionaire in the chat. If Rom doesn't bounce off the grandstand to five feet for Eagle, does he still <laughs> win? The answer is yes. Right. Like uh, the yes. John Rom was fortunate in a couple of situations all of these guys get a lot of breaks. Some some mm-hmm. are good, some are bad, right? Mm-hmm. I Patrick Cantley on Thursday got the most generous drop from a grandstand to go from completely dead on an up and down to having a pitch right back up the hill. He holds out for Eagle, he chips it in for Eagle. Um, Max Homo's ball on 12. Kicks right off of bogey tree instead of kicking left, which would have had him dead. Uh, Xander dunks one from 180 to make the cut. Like th- this happens all the time, uh, both directions. My argument around this, Andy, is that uh, John Rahm's good luck and bad luck is more magnified because he's always in a high leverage spot, he is mm-hmm. always at the top of the leaderboard. We don't notice or care when a guy who should have finished T61 finishes T41 because he got lucky that week. It's just every single lucky spot for John Rahm is super high leverage.
1: And it all evens out over time, right? Like it always seems like water
0: always finds its level anyway. Keith Mitchell hit it on top of the grandstand on 17 and bounced on the green.
1: Yeah. It yeah, happens so it time. happens it happens all the time to every single player. So, yeah, like I said, water always seems to find its level.
0: Honda. Here is the betting board. This is uh the odds checker grid. So you can shop these lines, which this week you're I mean, all weeks you're definitely going to want to shop, but I already noticed a couple of pretty big discrepancies. I'll try to point them out as we go along here. Sung J M is the favorite. 10 to 1 is the best number you can get on him, Andy. Points bet. DraftKings have him there. Bet MGM has him as short as uh 850. Shane Lowry is next, 16 to 1. Those are the only two sub-25. So they're kind of in a tier of their own. And then you get. A bunch of names after that: Aaron Wise, Alex Noren, Denny McCarthy, all at twenty-five to one. Billy Horschel, Chris Kirk, Matt Kuchar, Min Woo, all twenty-eight to one. So kind of two separate tiers here,
1: right? Um, you know, I honestly don't think Shane Lowry at sixteen to one is a bad number based on the based on the pedigree that he has in this field. Um, for me, it's just like I. This event has so much built-in variance because of the amount of water that I'm not sure that I want to pay up for any of these guys at the top. I'll give you a really interesting stat that I found, Rick. You'll like this one. So in the past 11 years, four of the past 11 champions have been under 20 to 1. You know, we've had Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Adam Scott, and Ricky Fowler when he was peak Ricky Fowler win here, all at under 20 to 1 in the past 11 years. Five of the last 11 years, the winner has been over 150 to 1. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So it's like, it's basically, it's like only two of the last 11 years, have we guy, have we had a guy in between 20 and 150 win. So I guess, like, what do I glean from that? Maybe nothing. Maybe everything. I I don't know. It's kind of the it's kind of the type of weird stat that makes you scratch your head, though.
0: So I think uh, just off the top of my head, and I don't know how it comps, but it reminds me a lot of like the American Express, where mm-hmm. either just Rom w- like the guy who's the best wins it or because there is so much built in variance to like the three course rotation that you get a guy who's a hundred or 200 to one who wins it. And this is kind of the same, right? Either one of the stars is and stars I use relatively is going to win the tournament or like this water lurks in and throws penalty shots in everywhere off the tee. You get a couple of big numbers. Those guys miss the cut and it's wide open for everybody else. Right. That's um, that's the way that I kind of, translate that little trend thing.
1: No, I think you nailed it. And the other thing I would say is that like the years, a lot of this is field strikes too. Like this is a, this tends to have a very weak field. And the years that a guy under 20 to one has won has been on the years where Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas have showed up to this event. Right. And Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas are the types of players that can win an event like this with their B-plus game. Daniel Berger and Sung J.M. and Shane Lowry, no disrespect to those guys, they still need their A-game to beat a field like this. Like, they can't win this tournament with their B-game, you know? They can't win it with their B-game. Probably finish top 10 with their B-game, but they can't win it with their B-game. So I guess what I'm saying is that the lack of field strength also probably contributes to the fact, like there is less of a difference between the guy at 20 to one this week and the guy at 150 to one this week, than the difference between the guy at 20 to one and the guy at 150 to one at Riviera, right? Because the guy at a hundred and the guy at 20 to one at Riviera is like Colin Moore cobbler, Patrick Cantlay, Right. Whereas the guys in the twenties here are Denny McCarthy and Alex Nord and Aaron wise.
0: Right. Have you, have you made a bet here? So last week I, for the first time bet John Rahm. And let me tell you, it's a lot easier. It's a lot, it's a lot easier when wow. you just bet on John Rahm and just like single bullet.
1: Just, uh, it was very
0: small. I, it was, yeah. it was like Rahm, I got a good number on JT and like, that was it. It was just like, it was very tight. Um, I I don't think I'll go back to the top of the board. I'll probably click Alex Noren at 25 to one because I'm a loser, (laughs) but like where have you made a bet or will you make a bet in this range?
1: Yeah. Aaron wise, man. I just, you know, I know that his season hasn't gotten off to the start that many of us wise truthers were hoping for, But um, he this is where he typically turns it around. Like uh, he started off the season last year really, really poorly, too. And then he gets to Florida and his first event in Florida. uh, It was API last year, not Honda, because the schedule is a little bit different. But his first event in Florida, he finishes top 20. So this is when he typically tends to turn his season around he never plays that great golf on the west coast he plays a lot of great golf in like texas and florida though so um i think this is where wise turns his season around and you know that t13 finish that you'll see under course history uh a little bit deceiving he was like leading that tournament by like five strokes and completely, completely blew it. So I think overall, this is still a really good spot for him.
0: I'm, I'm lost on wise at the moment. I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I've, I would not, I think I've said it before. Like I would not even be even if I bet him, uh, at 25 to one <laughs> and he won. So I, I don't know what I'm going to end up doing. You know, the, the thirties, um, are kind of interesting. I mean, well, even before we get there. So, so Minwoo Lee, 28 to one, you know, is catching a little bit of steam. If you follow what he's been doing on the DP world tour. So I'll lump him in with the next set of guys here. Andy, it's him. Uh, Johnny Vegas is 33 to one Adam Svensson and JT Poston, along with Taylor Pendrith are 35 to one. And then you get like Harris English who had a good start last week, but a lot of it was putter related. And then Thomas Dietrich at 40 as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I went with Pendrith here. I I just think that, I mean, he finished T25 last year pure talent play um this has proven rick over the years to be like a pretty good breakthrough spot for guys like this is where russell henley got his first win this is where keith mitchell got his first win like this is the first place that like tommy fleetwood started to play well at in the united states so um i just think Pendra's good and in a field like this i got him at 40 to one um I I have no qualms with that at forty to one. Just betting on the talent. Also, bombers have like sneakily done well here too as well because I think that um because there's so many hazards off the tee, yeah. they can club down and still have super manageable approach shots in.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. They can hit like three iron and then just take out a lot of the danger, but then also not leave themselves with a hybrid into these greens. So it is kind of interesting. Real quick, just because I know he's been a, a popular topic of conversation, Min Woo Lee's been awesome on the DP World Tour. It's it's eight straight top thirteens. It's five of them are t th- uh, are third place or better. The last um the last event that he played as a PGA Tour event was the Open Championship. He finished t twenty one. I think he played pretty well. T yeah, T21. What is the likelihood that the success of DP World Tour Global Golf translates itself to Honda this week?
1: You know, this has been an event that Europeans have tended to have a lot of success at. Mitten Lee is from New Zealand, correct, though? That,
0: right? is, that is correct.
1: Yeah. Um. So currently I have him out of like my DraftKings pool, and I haven't he's not going to have, I'm not going to have room for him on my outright card. If anything, I would maybe play a top 20 on him, but he is the most confusing guy for me to analyze because it's really hard to model out some of this stuff. Um, The field strengths that he is playing against are questionable at best. Um, And I just, you know, I I'm not familiar. Like what is, what does he do well? Like, it, cause I, you, you look at it on Rick run good and it's like, wow, this guy is a really awesome iron player. Um, and he kind of does that. He kind of like checks every box. Like there's a lot of green, but like, what do you think Minwoo Lee is best at? If you have like a comp for him from a, like a golfer we know on the PGA tour.
0: Yeah. Um, So first off, I'll correct that. He's from Australia. He's not from New Zealand. That's my fault. Um, I I think that he is generally a pretty good short game player, but he's making strides in the ball striking categories, right? I think he's a little bit more inconsistent there. I'll tell you what, though. He made the cut in three major championships. Like, like he is not – he's also not this guy who only plays – you know, deep like he has a ton of PGA Tour experience. He plays in all the majors, all that stuff. So I don't know. It is kind of just a very interesting, um, interesting dynamic for this week. I don't know how popular he'll be like in fantasy formats, but you know, adding him to a matchup card or like I don't know, top two. Like, I don't know. I, I just I'll probably be more bullish on Minwoo than you are. I think at this point, would
1: you rather play Minwoo Lee or Billy Horschel?
0: Minwoo. Okay, interesting. Yeah, Billy's right. Billy hasn't been that good and he hasn't been putting that well, and that that scares me when he can't do that.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: Uh now let's get to the long shots here. So we're through the fifties. You know, Joseph Brown was coming off a couple of decent finishes, but he's got a he's got a putt well again this week. 55 to one. Ben Griffin at sixty, Garrett Higgill, sixty. Any anybody kind of in this ne- this is the the area that you were kind of talking about avoiding.
1: <laughs> Um, yeah, but I couldn't help myself. You know, Lee Hodges was great to me last week. Lee Hodges was like the last time that I really, really hit on like a 6,200 golfer. Um, uh, he served me quite well at Riviera last week with a T eight and he was in the top five for the vast majority of the tournament. I mean, he really faded over the weekend, but, um, Now he returns to a course that he finished ninth at last year. Um, And I think, I mean, this is like one of the best long-term middle iron players in the world. Um, And yes, does it sting for his odds to be so low this week compared to what we got him at last week? Yeah. But I still think 50 to one is completely reasonable in this field. So I'm going to keep riding Lee Hodges. I think he's super talented.
0: The next level is where you can find some of these larger discrepancies. Will Gordon, as long as 66, as short as 50. Ryan Palmer, as short as 55, as long as 70. So this is where the grid really comes to uh, a big benefit. How deep are we going to go, Andy? What darts do we want to throw in this field?
1: Um. You know, the guys that I considered 130 on Adam Long is not a bad number. There were some things that I liked about Adam Long. Um, you know, I was going to bet Danny Lee at 250 mm. to one until I found out he was a new member of the Ironheads. Right. Um. So not betting Danny Lee this week. But no, you know, I had one spot on my card left this week and it was I could pick a guy at 60 to one. Or like two guys at one twenty five, one thirty, and I said to myself, you know what? Like this is a season where just in general, I'm gonna take a little bit of a different strategy and just bet guys closer to the top in general. I just think like I fall into this trap where it's like, oh, seeing the way Aaron Battle he's been hitting the ball recently, it's like this guy's not winning, right? And and I I I I think that is like. I'll do it all the time where I am like Luke Donald is like 17th in my model and he's 400 to one. Like that's worth a couple bucks. It's like, why don't you just save a little bit and, and end up betting a guy at 60 that can actually
0: win. I'm I fall into that trap all the time because I think, I think if you're in this every week um, one of the best strengths we have is seeing when guys are being undervalued or being deeper down the board, but they're unlikely to win, which is why like, the matchup market exists. It's why jock market exists. It's why what, like you don't have to bet these guys as outrights, but you can get access to them in a lot of different ways. It's funny that you mentioned, would I rather go with Minwoo or Billy Horschel? Cause that is a matchup that is available. So I could I could oh, put wow. my money where my mouth is. Minwoo plus What are the odds? Plus 110 for Minwoo, minus 132 for Billy.
1: Huh. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Uh. Then you get the... Usual cast of characters, odds makers, uh, giving the nod to Sung Jae, minus 172 to Shane Lowry plus 142. That's the big elite matchup at the top of the board. Then you get a couple of closer ones like Chris Kirk and Matt Kucher, Denny McCarthy and Thomas Dietrich, Aaron Wise and Alex Noren. So there are a couple of uh interesting options here in the outright market.
1: Yeah, um, I like. Oof. I kind of like Matt Kuchar this week. Okay. Did you see how well Matt Kuchar hit the ball at Riviera? He was like second in T to green behind John rock.
0: Yeah, he was good. And actually I, I think I'm a little more bearish on Chris Kirk this week than most. So, so that, that also caught my attention there. Yeah. Kuchar was good last week.
1: Yeah. Do you think he's just too much like it? I don't know. Maybe am I blinded by the fact that Justin Rose finally won at Pebble Beach, <laughs> but like, do you, do you think guys like Kuchar have one more in them?
0: probably not, but, but that's okay. Right. He's just got to beat one guy in the matchup market. And hopefully he can avoid like a lot of big numbers this week by being at, you know, short and accurate off the tee and kind of precise. Right. So yeah, I, I, I think it's a pick your spot game for Coocher. There's only a handful of good spots for him and it probably will not result in victories, but he can play well.
1: Oh look what they did! They did Ryder Cup captains together. Donald versus Zach Johnson. Who are you taking in that one?
0: Um, Zach Johnson has not been very good, and I, yeah, I think I would. Luke. I would take the Luke side of it as well. Yeah, me
1: too. Yeah. I'm taking Luke for sure. Um, who's that that Adam Long is playing? Because I really like Adam Long. Uh, Shank? Did, did I scroll yeah. past it? Adam Shank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll take Long in that one. What is he plus one oh five? Yeah, that's yeah. A good you
0: one. know what we need? We need the Cootie brothers in a matchup. Both Pearson and Parker are in the field. Don't confuse the two. Pearson's the one who has, has won, won twice like on the corn twice ferry. Twice on
1: the corn ferry chart and was super, super good at Texas, right?
0: Yeah, I mean they were both really good at Texas, but yes. Cootie, yeah. the uh Parker Parker Monday qualified it.
1: In. Interesting. Pearson's
0: in on a sponsor invite, I think.
1: Yeah, so Pearson is probably considered the better one.
0: F- for, yes. Yeah, okay. for sure. For sure. All right. Interesting. All right, cool. All right, we're going to talk about the prop market, which we've got both PGA and Live props available and Euro props available. Ooh, prize picks on their on their game right now. And we're going to talk about uh, one and done, which is an interesting conversation for this week. But first, we're going to take a quick coffee break and hear a word from Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is one of the nerdiest golf guys that I know, and I mean that as an absolute compliment. His knowledge of course architecture allows him to create some of the most actionable course previews available, and he offers up pure expertise on his own podcast, The Inside Golf golf podcast twice a week he offers course breakdowns dfs and betting strategy for every pga tour event and he expands the universe by bringing on entertaining and knowledgeable guests who can offer a different viewpoint of the game that we love follow inside golf pod on twitter and download inside golf wherever you download podcasts Okay, Andy. The guys over at Prize Picks working overtime. They've got Euro Tour props available, birdie or better matchups, Live Golf birdie or better matchups, Strokes and birdies or better, PGA birdie or better matchups. And we'll see throughout the week they'll be adding to all of these. So the code you want to get uh, involved with at Prize Picks is Rick. There's a link in the description. There is a deposit bonus. Let's start with the PGA Tour, Andy. The only thing available right now are the birdie or better matchups. We've seen mm-hmm. these before generally speaking, these are guys that are paired, um, with much worse golfers. But when we get weaker fields, I think it's a lot more debatable. For example, Adam Svensson is better than Cam Davis right now. Um, Oh yeah.
1: Everyone's better than Cam Davis (laughs) right now. (laughs) I I think
0: Alex Norin is better than Billy Horschel right now. Right. And those are those kind of go against the, um, the normal like guy that is being showcased is the favorite type of thing that Prize Picks always runs out.
1: So who do they have? I can't see who do they so have. So it's Long-
0: Sung Jay versus Sh Kim, and <sighs> Lowry versus Pendrith.
1: I mean, that is almost too trappy, no.
0: Yeah, that one's pretty. I mean, you get the the guy who's the favorite with the so so she, here, here here's here's how I, this I works. I love
1: S.H. Kim. He's like he's like sixty eight hundred bucks this week or something like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, he's sixty six to one. Sungjae M is ten to one. So that it does feel trappy. But we had um, his name is Andy Andy M. He tracked these last year, and it's like, I mean, it's like free money almost.
1: Yeah, just take Sung Jay. I mean, if you lose, you lose, but just take, take Sung there. That's crazy. That's nuts.
0: Yeah, that is. I mean, you really could just go through these and look at what their draft Kings price is. Look at what they're, I mean, I like Adrian Moronk, Denny McCarthy versus Adrian Maronk. Right. Yeah. I mean, Denny's Denny is what? denny has been Yeah, he's 25 90, to one. Yeah. And Adrian Maronk is 50 to one.
1: Who do they, real quick, who do they have Aaron Wise
0: up against? See, that one's interesting, Minwoo Lee.
1: Okay. So I they're mean, not, which which tight. that one
0: makes sense, right? Because Minwoo is, yeah. they're both, I mean, they're both 25 or 28 to 1, basically. So that one makes a lot more sense, but if you're paying attention, there are a lot larger discrepancies that you can take advantage of. The Sungju right. one, the Denny right. one, and then my my personal opinion is Spence is better than Davis, and Noren is better than Billy Horchel, but... Um, if you just want to look at the odds, it's a pretty easy, easy way to sort through them. Right. 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 Uh, Liv is playing Maya Koba this week, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, so at least we have that. I don't, I don't know how they'll have it set up, but basically all the big names are available. Have you done any live research for this week?
1: I have not. Um, I am abstaining from live betting and everything just about abstaining from live everything these days, but i will say this it's a course that we know you yep. know el camaleon we have some data it, it never had shot tracker on it for the pga tour so it's not like we have a ton of data on it but i do kind of know that course so you know i could probably formulate some opinions on Liv. are i mean i haven't seen betting odds out for Liv. are are they do they have a do they have betting odds out
0: i don't know um, I know that, or I at least had heard that Caesars was going to be offering them at some point, but I, I do not know if that has come to fruition or not. So I'll have to check after, yeah. after, after we get out of here. There's also, again, this is the birdier better matchups for the Euro tour. This is very simple. Robert McIntyre is, is much better than Kazuki Higa. And I like Kazuki Higa. Just go compare, just go compare the odds right? Like find the guy who's way shorter against the guy who's way longer. And as we track, I mean, we tracked like a thousand, I say we, Andy Mantel tracked like a thousand of these last year. And like, you can pick them, pick them off pretty, pretty easily.
1: Yeah. Well said. Well said.
0: Rick is the code link in the description. There is a deposit bonus for you uh, along the way. One and done. I'll just spoil it right now. Andy, it is very top heavy. Um, Mm -hmm. Shane Lowry, as of right now, is garnering 24% of the one and done selections on officefootballpool.com. Yeah. Sung JM is garnering 23%. So that is basically half the world is using Shane Lowry or Sung JM with no other golfer over 8%. So let's start Mm. there. Will you or won't you take one of those guys?
1: Okay. I'm glad you said starting there because I hope we do at the end, get to my little momentum that I do have in our world. Yeah. We have a,
0: we have a lot more to talk about for sure.
1: Um, I would say no, I just, man, I, I just, I don't think that they're strong. Like to me, uh, it's almost more likely that these guys miss the cut on such a high variance course that, um, What do you get from Shane Lowry finishing ninth at 25%? It's like, why not just take a chance that Aaron Wise at 5% is going to beat him? You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing.
0: I'm not a hot take machine, but this is like the hottest take I would have. Um, If you're playing either one of these two in a large or a larger one and done, I think you're objectively wrong, right? Yeah. I, I mean, t- 50% of the field is going to use one of these two guys at a very high variance uh, golf course in a Water already
1: intensive, yeah,
0: already high variance sport. You're going to play one and a small per. So it's not even like you're just taking John, you know, Rory McElroy at the Masters because he's like, you know, whatever, right? It, it's, I think it's 1.5 for the winner like, I just think that is objectively wrong. Now I'm going to probably use one of these guys between you and I, cause there's only oh, two of yeah. us, but oh, like, yeah. but I, I, I think that is a very, very silly thing to do. So let's, let's talk about the other guys. Um, so Kucher, Kirk, Denny McCarthy, they're the next three in terms of what that projected ownership would be. Who Who's your favorite out of the not Lowry, not Sung J crowd.
1: Well, I think a good strategy that I've said every week, and I kind of want to test this next year where I actually follow it to a T. If you just pick the guy above 9K with the lowest ownership every week and one and done, I think you'd end up doing pretty well. So I don't know who that is this week. I haven't even looked at DraftKings ownership yet this week, but like who's the guy above 9K that no one seems to be playing?
0: So I can tell you right now. um. Because Mike Cavalunas has done the first run on mm-hmm. rickrungood.com. So over 9K, the lowest owned golfer projected right now, 8.4% is Billy Horschel. Hmm. Next I think would Billy be... is a
1: great one-and-done option because I like him anyway.
0: Next would be Chris Kirk,
1: 12%. Yeah. Interesting.
0: I will I will probably in bigger ones probably roll like Alex Noren or yeah Aaron Wise they're at 2.7 2.5% right now and they have like the third best odds to win this golf tournament so right um that in anything larger than like 10 people is the play I just cannot imagine using Sung J.M. in a thousand person one unless you're in the lead, I guess. But I just right. can't. I just cannot imagine doing that.
1: Right. And by the way, I would say, you know, just play those guys in the 20 to 40 range. You don't need to play Lee Hodges this week. Right. Like I'm not no. I'm probably not going too much farther above like Taylor we will probably be one in one of my pools, but I wouldn't go too far above 40 to 1, right?
0: Uh that that seems fair. Yeah, there's a there's a sweet spot here. Okay, now now is the time we can do the update. So, okay. A little <laughs> a little momentum Andy. You won <laughs> you won the week. You got 1.38 million from Patrick Cantlay. I got 197,000 from Justin Thomas. The gap is still four million dollars for the season. I'm at five point six. You're at one point six. But now you can build off of something. Now you get the momentum rolling in your direction.
1: I feel good about that one. I felt like Cantlay had. I mean, I was watching on Sunday. Cantlay had a chance to win on the back nine. Dude, I even I, I let myself think about it for a second.
0: We were on we were on fourteen green, and Rom had not putted yet, so he. He would drain this birdie putt. But I yeah. was looking at, and there was right behind that green is uh, or it's actually right by 15T is a scoreboard. And I looked at the scoreboard and it was like Rom and Homa, I think were tied. And Cantley was one back. And I yeah. was like, holy crap, can't like should I go to go to that group? Like, there's like I think Cantley might just steal this thing right now and then Rom made the birdie and Cantlay kind of I don't know what it just didn't it stalled out a little bit but there was there was that moment where I legit was like I think is going to steal this right now
1: yeah and I was tracking his odds throughout the whole back nine hoping that he would go low enough to get a hedging opportunity out of the situation um cuz I had a pretty big ticket on Cantlay and he was like he was like plus 250 um he got down pretty low with a good chance to win the tournament. So anyway, i um, happy to get a little bit momentum. I don't feel as demoralized, as embarrassed as I did last week. It's good to cross the 1 million mark. Um, and again, I feel like, look, Arnold Palmer invitational and players in two weeks in back to back weeks. Like if I can, if I can just continue to like, I don't need to win per se. But if I can keep racking up these top fives to your twentieths or even top tens to your fortieths, like I can continue to chip away here so um give me your guy and then and i presume i will just pick the one that you don't out of the top two
0: okay then i'll just go with sung j <laughs> and you could have shane okay lowry shane,
1: shane lowry it is in that case for yeah, me and one and done
0: this is the way that we have to play our one and done but uh it is like yeah i think it's super bad if you play that yeah. in in anything larger than this
1: it's a cat and mouse game. That's what we got to do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm asking you just completely blindly, um, let's say they're at the same odds and the same ownership and the same price, who do you think is more likely to win the tournament?
0: I think it's still sung, Jay. I mean, Shane Lowry scares me, me too. a little bit. I think Shane yeah. Lowry scares me a little bit, but he last week was such a good week. He needed last week. He had not played sure. well since his win at the BMW. He was he was bad. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needed that. And I think if he, if he carries that momentum, he's super live. Sung feels, you know, I know he missed the cut here last year. There's a lot of ways to miss the cut. Feels a little bit safer. Um, didn't, I mean, and Sung kind of like, he didn't play well and didn't put well on the weekend. So there's, they could be going in different directions. I don't know. I'm taking a more zoomed out approach and looking at like last 36 and saying, I think it's Jay.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I wish you the best of luck. This week, my friend, and uh, hopefully we have something to cheer for coming down the stretch on Sunday.
0: Follow Andy on Twitter at ADPLackSports. Read his articles on RickRungood.com. You can find me on Twitter at RickRungood. This has been your betting preview for this week's Honda Classic. Good luck.